Welcome to Flourish, a podcast where we look at powerful ideas and learn to put them into practice so we can flourish and help others do the same. I'm Mike Austin, an author, speaker, and professor. My guest again today is Tom Morris. Tom is one of the world's leading public philosophers, and he's a pioneering business thinker. He's written over 30 books, he's an acclaimed speaker, and what Tom really excels at is bringing the wisdom of the past to the challenges of the present. You can learn more about Tom, his books, his speaking, and much more at tomvmorris.com. The link is in the show notes. Today we're going to discuss three more of the seven C's of success, a stubborn consistency, an emotional commitment, and a good character. So let's get to it. The next of the seven C's, a stubborn consistency. And in the previous episode, you discussed uh, Plato's Lemonade Stay in the book, and it was like 45 <laughs> rejections. So so this is not just some, you're not in a, a former member of the ivory tower talking about abstract ideas, right? It's part of life. But you, <laughs> part you're of your so life. right, Mike. And I should add this. I wrote my first book when I was in college. I mean, I, I, in, in my, in my mid, early 20s, I was 21 years old, and that book was rejected uh, 30, 36 times, uh, which was uh I thought the most of the book would ever be rejected. The 37th person said yes. And so the very fact that I, I, I persisted through difficulties, believing in myself, and, 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 you know, some people say there's this thing going around, you know, the definition of insanity is keeping doing the same thing and expecting different results. Well, I kept doing the same thing, sending out that manuscript expecting a different result and guess what i got it it's like the the yeah. rock bands who play in clubs a thousand times hoping to be discovered and then one day they are it's not always insane or crazy to keep doing the same thing uh, over and over expecting a different different result because you're doing it at a different time you're doing it for a different audience and and and, and, and so yeah it, it's and that leads into our consistency condition right because when i was 21 years old i was not going to give up and i often say that about myself and i think that sets a lot of very successful people apart, they're just not going to give up. They're just people who say, okay, you're going to tell me no, you're going to, you're going to challenge me and you're going to deride me. You're going to taunt me. You're going to tell me I'm no good at this. All right, fine. I'm not giving up. You know, I'm, that's not the kind of person I am. You kind of see yourself as a person who is going to be consistently pushing in the direction of your vision, you know, regardless what stands in your way. Uh, the greater the difficulty, Roman uh, poet Horace said, the greater the difficulty, the greater the glory. Yeah, and I think this makes me think when I discuss with people or talk about the process of actually getting a PhD <laughs> in philosophy, yeah. and there are a lot of people that are smart, you know, smarter than I yeah. am that never finish. And yeah. I think one thing I say, it's really this, it's just a, you don't give up stubborn consistency. Yeah. And so yeah. I remember days where, of course, I started grad school later. Mm. So I would go into the grad lounge when I was writing my dissertation in the morning and there'd be some people hanging out, you know, just talking. Mm-hmm. And I'd go to the library, sit in my little isolated carol <laughs> up at the top of it in Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> so a good view. Yeah. But then I'd come back to the lounge at lunch, same people sitting there talking. <laughs> so um so, yeah, I think t- sometimes that's the key, right, is just don't give up. But, yeah, so say more about that. What do you mean more by, like, a stubborn consistency okay. um, in terms of the overall success? Yeah, and, I, and I'll, I'll hook into what you were just saying because I had a, a friend who was a famous historian. He had written a bunch of best-selling history books in graduate school, and he didn't teach at Yale. He taught at another school, but we got to be friends in a social context. And so when it was time for me to write my dissertation, 
he told me he was going to call me every day at 3 p.m. And he was going to demand that I had written by then three pages of my dissertation. And he said, they don't have to be good pages. They can be awful pages. He said, but you are giving yourself the raw materials for the finished product. And he said, all great writing is about rewriting. So give yourself the raw materials every day. And if, if he called me at three o'clock on, on uh, Friday afternoon or on Monday afternoon and I hadn't written my three pages, he would ridicule me. He would tell me stories <laughs> about pathetic people he knew who had been working on their dissertation for 30 years, taking it down in a box from the closet, writing a few and putting it back, who would never finish. And consistency is interesting. Uh, the English word comes from two Latin root words that mean to stand together. It's like consistency isn't about always doing things the same way. It really isn't. Um, it's about doing things in harmony with your highest goals and your deepest values. It's about your actions standing together. It's about your words and your actions standing together. And often it's about you and your family, you and your friends, you and your team standing together. I mean, uh, if a person's in a study group and they're pulling apart, not standing together, what good is that going to do anybody? If you're on an athletic team and everybody's out for their own stuff, pulling apart, not standing together, what good is that going to do? Consistency is about standing together. And in changing times, being stubbornly consistent can mean not doing everything the same way. It can mean doing things differently in the different circumstances to be now harmonious with your goals and values. A different set of actions were, were harmonious uh, six months ago. I've, I've got to innovate and create right now to continue to be harmonious in these, in these uh, changing days. And so when I recommend to people consistency, I'm not recommending blindly repetitive behavior. I'm recommending, we'll use the word intentionality a, 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 a little bit ago. I, I'm talking about being intentional to evaluate your actions on an ongoing basis. Do they support your goals or not? Always be doing things to support your goals. Inconsistency is a force divider. Uh, consistency is a force multiplier. I don't care how good you are or, 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 how you, you where your talent is on the level of good to great if you're consistent you're going to make more progress than the person who's not it's that big a deal yeah that's really good i think from this and some of our earlier discussions one question i have is and i'm, I'm not asking for like a necessarily like here's the rule to follow because i don't think it's that kind yeah. of thing but what advice would you give to somebody when they're thinking, should I continue down this path? Should I adjust yeah. course? Should I strike out in a whole new direction? What sort of, yeah, because I, yeah, well, I, I'm a hundred percent on board. You know, it's that 46 publisher <laughs> or that, you know, that, that 15th job interview or, you know, whatever it is. But, but I think the wise person too knows when to make yeah, adjustments. Well, so yeah. Any, yeah, any well, thoughts about that? The guy who said, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again and then give up. Don't be an idiot. About it. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That we get enough uh, feedback from the world that we realize a project that had been dear to our heart. It, it's not quite the place in time yet for that project. We need to back off. I mean, when I finished Plato's lemonade stand last year, uh, and, you know, it was based on the old adage, when life hands you lemons, make lemonade. Everybody says it, but nobody says how. Turns out the great philosophers had a lot to say about it, which is really, we've been talking for a long time about resilience, about bouncing back when bad things happen. Uh, and for the last few years, we've been talking about grit 
Angela Duckworth at University, University of Pennsylvania did a book based in her lab research about the psychology of consistency, really, what we're talking about right now. Grit. When things bad happen, when you get knocked down, get back up, grit your teeth, soldier on. It's all about perseverance and consistency. But in doing the work for Plato's Lemonade Stand, I realized resilience is important, and so is grit. Um, but there's something beyond the two of those. When The old saying, when life hands you lemons, make lemonade, doesn't say uh, when bad things happen, bounce back. It doesn't just say when bad things happen, sold your own, grit your teeth. It says when bad things happen, turn the situation into something good, you know, lemonade, you know, something sweet, something delightful, something great. This is what I call alchemy. Uh, the ability to transform circumstances that goes beyond resilience and grit. And sometimes consistency will take us as far as we can possibly go. And sometimes if too much, too many obstacles, we meet too many obstacles, we have to engage in an alchemy or a transformation that might mean altering our goal, altering our plan for that goal or shelving that goal for a while. When I finished Plato's Lemonade Stand, it had been put away for a year, and I went back to it. Uh, a book called The Art of Achievement that came out years ago, I, I wrote it for 14 years, and uh, I finally gave up on it and said to my wife, I don't think this book is ever going to work. It's never going to come together. And so I put it away for, I think, two years. And then I came back to it, and it magically knitted itself together into one of my favorite books I'd ever done. I had to back away from it for a while. Didn't mean I was giving up on it altogether. And consistency didn't mean banging my head against the wall over and over and over again. Sometimes to be consistent with your highest goals and your deepest values, you have to put something aside for a while. Let it slow cook in your unconscious. Then maybe you'll come back to it, right? And it's not in that two-year period I wasn't doing anything. I set new goals for that two-year period. And then I came back and picked up the threads and thought, wow, I'm getting ready to do that on another book I started 30 years ago. And I've only got 100 pages written. And they're not really that coherent with each other. But it's on a concept I'm really newly excited about again. I probably haven't worked on that book in five years. But I'm going to pick it back up and see if it now can become something. So consistency doesn't mean being an idiot, right? Being When I say stubborn, yeah. I don't mean hard-headed in an irrational way. I mean to bring together your resources as best you can and know when you need to hit the pause button. And that's just a matter, like you say, Mike, it's not a matter of a hard and fast rule. It's a matter of what the philosophers call discernment, which is a function of wisdom. And we're not always going to get it right or be infallible about this. But you can get better at trusting your instincts and your intuitions about when it's time to back off and when it's time to push forward. Yeah, and I like that. I think that this takes us to the idea of an yes. emotional commitment and not all, I mean, some philosophers and really a lot of even academics in general or people who are really devoted to the life of the mind, they're not good at dealing with yeah. emo their own emotions or they, they minimize them. But yeah, I think wisdom says you need an emotional commitment to your, at least your main goals in life. So you, can you say, say something about that? Uh, yeah, say something yeah, about emotional well, you know, commitment. My first clue on this came from Blaise Pascal, who's kind of everybody's idea of the ultimate rational man in the 17th century 1623 to 1662 you know uh, laid the foundations of hydraulics and pneumatics and people have said without pascal there wouldn't be a probability theory at all uh he, he sort of was really involved in early modern science and in, in mathematical leaps forward and and he once said the heart 
the heart has its reasons of which reason knows nothing. And, and using the ancient metaphor of the heart as being the emotional core of everything about us. And that, you know, even the Stoics who people misread uh, as recommending emotional anesthesia, as if we're supposed to go through tough times and not feel anything bad, right? We're, we're just not supposed to have any emotions. Don't get too excited. Don't get too depressed. In fact, don't get excited at all. Don't get depressed at all. No, no, no. That's a misreading. The Stoics believe that we are all born with a natural capacity for joy and that we have all these turbulent emotions that get in the way. The, the solution of the best Stoic thinkers is not to get rid of emotions, but to control your emotions, to tame your emotions, to, to tutor your emotions so that they'll be realistic, they'll be accurate, they'll be truthful, they'll be healthy. And then to pursue something without an emotional commitment to the importance of what you're doing, how could that work, right? So when I, I read about extremely successful people I remember reading a book about Linus Pauling, the, the scientist. And, and then I remember reading a, a book, uh, uh, Richard Feynman, uh, the book, Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman, the physicist. I, and I, I kept reading books. I was reading at the time some biographies and autobiographies of scientists and memoirs. And I saw how many of these really successful people in the sciences were so passionate about what they were doing. And, you know, they would say Linus Pauling would sometimes dance on the table with excitement about something, right? And so rather <laughs> than that contravening his rationality, it supercharged his rationality. It was the kind of thing that mm. allowed them to push, to push and push. Because, look, if you don't have an emotional commitment to the importance of what you're doing, you're going to get discouraged. We're all going to get discouraged. There are going to be times. There are going to be dark times. Uh, there are going to be hills and valleys. And uh, if you don't have that commitment, you're just going to give up, not because it's rational to give up, not because you should give up, but because you got no fuel, you know, pushing you forward. It's that passion, that emotional, positive emotional commitment that is such a source of strength in difficult times. Yeah, that's really good. And I've, I've been thinking about this more recently with well, launching this podcast and some other things I'm trying to do to bring philosophy uh, good philosophy to the public more. You, and I think this is related. You start and there's this yeah. emotional high, right? Like, this is great. I, I'm passionate yeah. about this. I love this. And then you realize, <laughs> oh, this isn't easy, right? I've got, a, <laughs> I've got some stuff I have to learn and I have to, you know, but I think the, sometimes just being aware that the yeah. emotions come and go and being yeah. willing to ride that out. But, but there's a deeper sort of, like you talked mm -hmm. about, like a passion that's, that's from the that's core right. of who you that's are, right. from the heart. That's what keeps you going. And so sometimes I'll start things and give up because I realize I'm really not. Yeah. I don't have that sense of calling or that emotion. That's right. And it that's may fine. not be um, right for I you think... or it may not be right for you right now. You know, so you, you go to things, you gravitate yeah. to things for which you do have that deeper. It's almost like the things of uh, emotions as winds that blow around. And it's the trees with the deepest roots that stand that stand firm through the, the, the blasts mm. of, uh, of, of the wind. We're going to have transient passing emotions you're gonna feel really good some days and not so good other days and really bad other days but if you have deep roots in your heart really believing in what you're doing you're going to be able to stand tall during uh, that and not be toppled not be torn down by these winds they're going to decimate other people who don't have that 
that level of commitment. I think the idea of commitment, I read a lot of business books about goals and nobody was talking about that. Nobody was talking about the emotional side. I thought, really? As if business is just this intellectual game people play? Uh, no, you you, you got to have a commitment of the heart like Pascal believed or, or, or things aren't going to go the way you hope. Yeah, that's good. Um, well, any, any other tips for those times when our emotions do wane? Uh, when maybe Maybe even when they're we feel emotionally discouraged, but we know that we're on the right path. We're still committed. Anything, any thoughts come to mind about how to sort yeah, of navigate those times? Your purpose. Why are you doing this? Uh, you might even, some people value writing out a purpose statement or a mission statement for what they're doing. And going back to that during tough times, reminding yourself of the why, reminding yourself, okay, why am I, why am I bothering with this in the first place? What are the values that this will preserve, enhance, and bring into the world. You know, what really matters to me about this? You got to remind yourself. And sometimes you got to give yourself a pep talk. And sometimes you need other people to help you do that. You know, so if you have a good friend or a family member, then you can confide in them. Look, I'm really struggling with this right now. Um, Is there any way you could help me, you know, sort of lift myself up in all this? Give give me some words of encouragement, you know. And if if you have a trustworthy uh, friend or partner who can do that, that helps, you know, because not everything is just the the individual in soul isolation uh, making things happen. Most of the really important things that happen in life come from great partnerships. And too often we try to apply these seven C's of success just as individuals without without asking for the help of others without relying on and creative partnership is unbelievable in fact i've mentioned two things just in the last minute purpose and partnership two of the greatest books in western civilization are the iliad and the odyssey and so last year i had read both before uh, but last year i read the odyssey four times cover to cover two different three different translations and i read the iliad twice And for the first time in my life, I came to realize the Iliad is all about the power of partnership and how it goes wrong in our lives, how how we lose important partnerships through greedy selfishness. Uh, Agamemnon and Achilles just uh, they 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 uh, could have had an amazing partnership and it kind of comes apart and and, uh, thousands of people die. Mm. And then. in the Odyssey, the Odyssey is about the power of purpose. Uh, Odysseus is called the long-suffering man, the ever-suffering man, the storm-tossed man, the unluckiest man alive. He has everything go wrong you can imagine and 12 things you can't imagine. And then uh, he makes it home because he has this strong sense of purpose. Now, and in the Iliad, uh, Epictetus pointed out to me the other day, I was reading the Discourses of Epictetus, Epictetus pointed out that this great partnership between Agamemnon, the leader of the Greeks in the Iliad, and Achilles, the great warrior, the partnership broke up because they lost their sense of purpose. So these two things are related, partnership and purpose. So if you can pull yourself back to why am I doing this? Why is it important to me? And you can pull yourself back to how can I get to rely on some other people, maybe just to unburden my soul, to spill my guts and tell somebody who cares about me what I'm going through right now, and maybe they can help encourage me. Both those things can matter a lot. Let's look at the next one, uh, a good character. And of course, this is, as you know, an area I'm passionate about in my work and um, teaching and life. But there are people that have different ideas about character, even though I would argue, and I think you would agree, there is, yeah. there's, again, this common core. But 
how would you, you know, philosophers, we like to define stuff. How would you define a good character just as yeah, a starting it's, point? Uh, it's interesting because um, in modern times, when you bring up the idea of character in a business context, and you a- ask people, what does character mean? One of the first answers you're going to get is integrity. And you say, okay, what does integrity mean? And then you're, you're met with silence often, right? Because we almost replace understanding yeah. with buzzwords and slogans in our time. You know, we've got words that make us think we understand what we're talking about. And we don't really. And so you have to really start asking some questions and probing a little bit. And finally, you get people saying, well, honesty is important. Uh, you know, keeping your promises is important. Being trustworthy and reliable is important. And pretty soon you, you start. It, it's funny. Uh, my four transcendental values I use to structure the book, if Aristotle ran General Motors, truth, beauty, goodness, and unity, they're all relevant to character. Uh, and character is about a wide variety of things. And it surprises people to hear when they first learn that, you know, when Aristotle thought about character, he thought about the virtues uh, from the, uh, uh, and, and we get our English word from the Latin virtu, strength or prowess. What, what strengths do we bring to a situation? And the ability to grapple with truth, to, to recognize truth, to find truth, to share truth, to live on truth, so important, but so is courage. You know, in fact, for Aristotle, the chief, it looks like the chief virtue is courage, because if you don't have that virtue, you're not going to live any of the others under difficult pressure circumstances. So as you, as I investigate character, I'll look at what makes human beings uh, what makes human beings strong? In fact, the Greek word, as you know, arete, uh, a guy came into my office once. He said, look, you're going to come. I'm a manager at a hospital. You're going to speak to all our executives uh, in two weeks. And um, we have this ethics statement we all get the day we're hired, and nobody ever mentions it. Nobody ever talks about it. We stick it in a drawer and kind of forget about it. We talk about excellence all the time. And there's this feeling amongst the leadership that if ethics and excellence ever come into conflict, we got to go with excellence because that's what the, the market demands. And I said, let me tell you something. The Greeks had this word arete, which you can translate it either as excellence or as virtue. The, I think the Greeks saw that deep down excellence and ethics can't come apart. They're essentially related, entwined. And, and if you understand that, you won't be as tempted to cut corners or to go into gray areas trying to make excellence happen because you realize, no, it's self-contradictory. It's self-defeating. You know, these things have to come together. So as I think about character, I always think about those human strengths that allow for this building of sustainable relationships and sustainable successes. You know, if you're a dishonorable person, if you're not a trustworthy person, if you're a liar, a cheat, you're not going to be able to build strong relationships. You look at a person who has bad character, you never find a person who has great relationships. And you never find a person who has Mm. sustainable successes. Uh, Everything is a mess. Uh, with, with a person like that. And we come across people like that all the time in, in government, in politics, in, in business, in, in every facet of life, you know, sports. And, and, and eventually it's self-destructive to depart from the, the path of character. So that's why my sixth condition says we need a good character to guide us and keep us on a proper course. There are two ideas there. 
a young guy from Spain visited me recently, a college student who's studying philosophy. And he said to me at breakfast, what is wisdom? He just, you know, asked the question, what is wisdom? <laughs> and I said, well, first of all, I want to say it's insight for living. It's insight for, uh, for human flourishing. But then let me say it like this. Wisdom is guidance and guardrails. And he says, well, what is guardrails? And I said, you know, you're driving through the mountains on a curvy road. There's a metal railing to keep your car from going over the oh oh i know what i know what you mean i said wisdom is guidance and guardrails the guidance uh, helps inspire us as to directions we should go properly go and the guardrails keep us from falling off the side as we're moving in that direction oh i see i see so my condition says we need a good character to guide us and keep us on a proper course that's the guardrails uh, part so there's guidance and guardrails you know, that's good. And I think this may be one other question or issue about good character. I think maybe you would have some thoughts. I'm sure you do about how oh, character relates to leadership and then how that connects to developing a culture yeah. of character in a business or sports team anywhere. Because, you know, as you know, one of the sort of buzz words, and I think it's a great thing today is, is looking yeah. at the culture mm -hmm. of organizations. Right. And, you know, and I think they, they can flourish when they've got a good culture, but what's the relationship of character to leadership and oh, to developing you know, a that's good a culture? really great question because I think in a sense, uh, corporate culture or team culture is, is the intrapersonal version, the interpersonal version of character. It's like the character of the company, the character of the team, uh, uh, that that that's uh, that, that's their culture. So I think that character is contagious, and I think so is corruption. So when you have bad leaders, uh, they make people worse, and when you have good leaders, they make people better. And it's kind of really that simple. Um, there is a contagion. I mean, we've, we're talking right now in in our day, twenty twenty, about viral contagions, right? Biological contagions. But the idea of moral contagion is just as important uh, uh, for us all to understand. That's why there's been all this advice through history that, you know, it's important to, to be around the right kind of people. Don't 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 hang out with bad people. Uh, I even had a friend who was uh, dean of admissions at Yale for many years. Uh, I, I say I had a friend. I see he's still a friend. I don't see him as much or talk to him as much. He lives in Spain part of the time in Barcelona and he lives in, uh, in America part of the time. But, but he used to say years ago, uh, he did some work in the business world. He said, you can't make a good deal with a bad man. And I said, really? And that's an interesting thing to say. And he said, yeah, no matter how good the deal looks, if it's with a bad man, it's going to turn bad. It's going to turn bad. And it always does. That's the thing about leaders. People know um, if people have any discernment at all, a word we've used before, they, they'll they'll know that bad leaders create bad followers uh, because the good people leave. They don't want to be part of that, you know, and, and only the other corrupt or corruptible people are attracted and then pretty soon you get a mess and you get a, a business or an organization that's going to implode that's going to self-destruct it always happens and so we have these case studies in business ethics you know of enron and worldcom and global crossing and this company and that company that went under because of the corrosion of unethical leadership so i think i think that's such an important thing for us to all think about character is really important not just for the individual but for those partnerships we were just talking about and especially for leaders to have who guide partnerships on a small or a large scale it always matters
Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to, leave a voice message with a comment or question at anchor.fm forward slash flourish with MWA. You'll see a link there or a place there where you can click on the message icon to do that. I'll choose some of these in future episodes to discuss. You can also connect with me or send a question on Twitter at Michael W. Austin. Next time, we'll continue our discussion with Tom Morris about the seven C's of success. In fact, we'll conclude our discussion next time. Until then, remember that through careful thought and sustained passion, you can truly flourish and help others do the same.